blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. I want to teach today on the subject, breaking and entering, breaking and entering. Um, innovation is not necessary. Recently, one of the greatest innovators uh, passed by the name of Steve Jobs. Some of you have heard a lot about it. Steve Jobs is personally responsible for the personal computer, as we know it today, and a bunch of other things. And so our, we live in a society where people celebrate innovation. They celebrate creativity. I don't know if we do too well with that in the church, but by and large, we are in a culture that has benefited from innovators. Peanut butter. Does not grow on a tree. It's an innovation by a black man. Tuskegee Institute. And when you're hungry, you will create and innovate some amazing dishes. One of the things I've discovered is that sometimes the best meals are the ones where you don't have it all planned out. You got to walk into the kitchen and you got to innovate. Come on and hear somebody. I believe that's how collard greens came into play. <laughs> I figure I, and most of our food came as a result of the fact that uh, the master, the slave master gave us the leftovers. And so we just took the leftovers and did the best we could with what we had. Sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes the best things in life uh, were created by necessity. So innovation is not necessarily necessary, but it is necessary for survival. Uh, some people may just want to leave things the way they are and not make any necessary change. But for somebody who wants to survive, you got to do what you got to do. There's a story of a particular gentleman in China when they had that major earthquake. And he was stuck under uh, several floors and stories of rubble. They had given up on him, and at this point, he had thought he was going to die. But there's something that happens when you don't want to die, when you're driven to survive. I've seen it happen over and over in the human spirit, where people just say to death, I'm not going down. So this particular brother had to innovate. He had no food, no water. His, his arm was crushed by, they say, over several hundred pounds of weight of, of, of concrete, and he could not move. He only had one hand free. So you excuse the, the realness of this story, but in order to survive, you got to have water. Amen, everybody? So what he did is he found a way in. Brothers and sisters, I don't know how he did it. I'm just telling the story. But he subsisted on his own urine. And he ate paper. Now, Doc, I don't know how that works. Uh, you have to break that down to me at some time. But because of his drastic measure, he was able to save his life. Now, none of us would do that or want that for breakfast or for lunch or for dinner because it's not necessary. But you find yourself, help me, Holy Spirit, you find yourself in a desperate place. You find yourself in desperate measures and desperate situations. And one of the things I've come to understand as one who has been in that place, have I got anybody in here that's been uh, in that place where, where, where desperate situations require desperate measures? It could be that child of yours that, that you have trained in the fear of the Lord. We talked about this in Sabbath school. Who you have trained in the fear of the Lord. And, and for whatever reason, everything that you have taught them seems to have gone out of their ears. But, but because you're desperate for their salvation, because you're desperate to be, see them saved one day, you don't pray those prayers that you've prayed before. Father, just keep them. Father, just make a way for them. But how many mothers in here know what I'm talking about where you've had to cry out to the Lord? With your whole heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Desperate measures require desperate means. And in our passage of scripture today, we are introduced to five desperate men. How many did I say, everybody? Five. We're introduced to five desperate men. Five desperate men. I like this story because uh, this story, it, it shows us to what extent the human heart gets when they reject God, number one. It also shows us who real friends, what real friends look like. Can I talk about this today? It also shows us what Jesus' real agenda is for us 
And it also shows us of the inadequacies of the human being in church. Let's talk about this today. The Bible says that at this point in Jesus' ministry, he had got to healing so many people that by now people are going totally berserk about what he has done. In one particular instance, as a matter of fact, just before this miracle, a leper. Now, you have to understand a leper was probably considered to be the worst of humanity. Matter of fact, they called somebody who had leprosy. They said that he had the stroke of God. They had to bring this gentleman before the priest to determine whether his condition was so far gone that he could actually be redeemed. And in most cases, when somebody had leprosy, they basically told them, you are forever cut off from God. And they had to walk around and cry out, what everybody? Unclean, unclean. Now watch this now. Jesus actually heals this brother, but it's not the fact that he healed them, it's how he healed them. All the rules said you don't touch these kind of people. All the rules says that you don't get near these people. As a matter of fact, if you touched somebody that had leprosy, the Bible says that you in fact would be considered unclean. So Jesus, this at this point now, this is probably the most significant and the most groundbreaking healing he's done because it's gone against everything that the religious society has known. Jesus not only healed the brother, but the Greek word for touch says that he touched him, but he, but he actually put his arms around him. So he's building, he's getting a reputation now for being a friend of sinners. He's getting a reputation now with the religious leaders as being somebody who does not mind getting dirty with the dirty people. He's getting a reputation now. The Bible even goes so far as to say that the religious people said of him that he is a wine bibber and a glutton because of the kinds of people he hung with. Uh, can we be honest? Can we talk for a minute? Who did he surround himself with? He didn't go to the seminary and look for the preachers. He didn't go to the, to the religious institutions and find the professionals, but he surrounded himself with cussing, fussing fishermen, a thieving tax collector. He even got a backstabbing two-timer like Judas surrounding him. And all of this was creating controversy for the ministry of Jesus. And so the Bible says, I want you to take your Bibles and go to Luke 5. Go to Luke 5. I want you to see the context here. Uh, Luke chapter 5. What book did I say, everybody? Uh, Luke chapter 5. The Bible says in Luke uh, the fifth chapter, and I want you to go uh, around verse 17. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. I got to go. The Bible says, one day as he was teaching Pharisees and teachers of the law, same story, who had come from every village. Thank you, my sister. Had come from every village. The Bible says of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem and were sitting there. So understand now, Jesus has had a long journey of ministering and healing people. He tired at this point. Anybody ever got tired before, even doing the Lord's work? He's coming home to rest. Understand now, if you read further in the book of Matthew, Matthew actually tells us that he's at Peter's house. Now, Peter's house was Jesus' home. That's where he lived in Capernaum. So as Jesus goes back to his home, I imagine in his mind, he's anticipating getting some rest and some relaxation. But because the mind of God sees several steps ahead, he is already prepared for what's about to happen. If you look at Luke, uh, the, 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 the fourth chapter around verse 17, the Bible actually says that he went to solitary places to pray. Here, understand this. Jesus was always prepared for the moment. Jesus was never caught spiritually off guard by circumstances. If there's anybody in here honest enough like the pastor to admit that sometimes you don't feel like praying. Sometimes you don't feel like studying. Sometimes you're not always in the right attitude and in the right. Come on and talk to me in here. I'm the only one in here. Sometimes people catch you on a bad day. Come on in here. And most of us have more bad than we have good. We learned in Sabbath school that there ain't nobody righteous. No, not one. We've never done it right way. We've never been the best people. But in spite of our inconsistencies, our God is very consistent. 24 hours a day, heaven is open for business. You never go to God and he's sometimey. You never go to God and he does not have a solution to your problem. You never go to God and have to worry about being judged. You never go to God and have to be worried about being criticized. Even though he knows all your stuff, even though he knows everything you've done, even though he knows everything that you are doing, your God does not censor you. Your God does not cut you off. Your God does not feel about you the way people do. But I thank God today that we serve a God that is loving, that is compassionate, that is consistent, that is faithful, and he looks beyond our faults and he sees our needs. 
So he says, I always got time for ministry. <laughs> I always got time. I, I'm not taking off from ministry today. Somebody needs help. And so when he gets to Peter's house, the text says that Pharisees, watch this, y'all. Who did I say, everybody? And teachers of the law. Now, let me break this down. A Pharisee was uh, not like a pastor, as we would see it. A Pharisee was more like a layperson or a church person, not necessarily a professional uh, pastor, but it was a layperson who had a particular burden about the minute details of the law. The Bible says, so you had Pharisees there, and the Bible says you also had teachers of the law. So teachers of the law were actually the professional preachers and priests. And so you not only had the preachers coming after Jesus, but you had the church folk coming after Jesus. And the Bible says they came, look at the text, everybody. Look there at verse 17 again of Luke 5. The Bible says that as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village. Somebody say every village. Are y'all seeing this thing? The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the antagonists of Jesus, they actually called a conference at Peter's house. They said, we're going to have a convention to stop Jesus and we're going to set it up at his house. So imagine this now. Jesus is walking into his house and guess who's there waiting on him? The very people that are trying to kill him. Have you ever been in a hostile environment before? Come on in here, somebody. And now some of us are afraid of conflict. Some of us struggle with that thing, but I don't care who you are. Some of us like conflict. But let's be honest in here, a hostile environment is not a good place to be. Have you ever been around folk that you knew were trying to take you out? Have you ever been around folk that you knew had it out for you? Have you ever been around folk that you knew didn't mean you well? But somehow God gave you the strength not to cuss folk out when you wanted to. Sometimes God gave you the strength to be kind even though they weren't kind to you. Have you ever been there before when, when you knew you were surrounded by your enemies, but in spite of that you were able to stand up Square your shoulders and with the kindness and love of Jesus, do to others as you would have being done unto you. And so when Jesus walks in, he walks into a hostile environment. The Bible doesn't say that the Pharisees came just from a few blocks. It said they came from all over the place. Come on in here, somebody. I mean, I, listen, I, I've been in those situations, but that's like calling a general conference meeting at Peter's house. And what's on the agenda today? The, the agenda today is to scrutinize the ministry of Jesus. So I can see them walking in in their lofty robes. And, and come on now, that means they came from everywhere. There were hundreds of Pharisees. So get the picture now. You have this house. And you have Jesus in it, Peter's in it, and his mother-in-law is in it, and maybe some of the disciples. So jam-packed in the house are the Pharisees. Are you following me now? You got to get this picture. Jam-packed in the house of the Pharisees. But the Bible says that the crowd didn't just stop there. The Bible says that there was a crowd outside the house as well. Oh, come on, get with me today, y'all. Come on. Come on, get with the preacher today. So you got a crowd in surrounding Jesus, and these are Jesus haters, and you got a crowd on the outside who are really just there to see the show. Pastor, how can you say that? You're being judgmental. Can I tell you how? If I can just, if I can just sort of jump the gun a little bit, because I really don't want to go here, but, 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 but somebody's asking the question, Pastor, how can you say that about that group? How do you know they were just there for a show? Because only one person left healed. Notice what the Bible says. Uh, look there back at Luke again. I want you to notice something here. Uh, I'm, I'm learning how to use more Bible. Come on, say amen, somebody. Uh, look, look there, look there, look there, look there. Uh, uh, at verse 17, the Bible says, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the, oh, watch this. And the, and the, and the power. Come on, saints. Oh, you'll get here after a while. And the power of the Lord was present to heal. Understand. Oh, God, help me to get this word out of my spirit. Understand. You have people there who are not there for healing. They are not there for the right reasons. Some of them are there for one reason. Take him down. And those are the ones, catch this, that are closest in proximity. I got to break that down, huh? Closeness to Jesus has nothing to do with proximity. In other words, 
Just because I stand next to Deacon Norton does not mean that we are close. Is that clear? Uh, Just because uh, Michelle and I minister together at church and we are near one another does not mean that we are close. It doesn't even mean, come on in here somebody, it doesn't even mean we know each other. How many of you know that we come here every week and we sit real close to one another, but we don't know nobody. Come on in here somebody. Huh? We don't know, we don't know nothing. And, And so proximity does not necessarily mean closeness. But watch this now. Even though the Pharisees and the crowd were close to Jesus in proximity. In other words, with your eyes, you'd say, those folks are really close to Jesus. How many know they weren't close at all? Because their hearts were far from him. How can you come in his presence and have murder on your mind, but be mad at Jesus because he's setting folk free? God says, I don't care about your standard. I don't care about your rules. I don't care about your religion. If you have a religion and a rule that seeks to murder and cut down, and at the same time you want to lift up your standard, then you don't have religion at all. As a matter of fact, you've got false religion because true religion is about love. True religion is about sharing. True religion is about kindness. They're right there. But they don't know him. They've got the, the, the studies. They've got the doctrine. But they don't know him. They know more about the Bible than everybody in here put together. The average Pharisee or teacher of the law could quote the first four books of the Bible by memory. And if he made a mistake, he could correct himself. I don't know. Oh, God, help me to minister this word today. Information. Knowledge intellectual capital does not equal relationship. Attendance does not equal relationship. Being the pastor does not equal relationship. Come on in here, somebody. Being a deacon does not mean relationship. Having your name on the road does not equal relationship. Just because you're close in proximity doesn't mean you know God. What matters is the sentiments of your heart. There are people not in here who are not close in proximity, but they're closer to God. Oh, y'all better talk to me in here. Some of them have never attended church a day in their life, but they're sincere in what little they have. They know how to treat one another. Come on in here. And so watch your God, though. Even though he's surrounded in a hostile environment, the Bible says he still releases the power to heal. Y'all forgive me, but I get excited about the mercy of God. If I were God, There'd be no power to heal up in there. Come on in here, somebody. When you know people don't like you, when you know people are after you, when you know people are trying to take you down, how many of y'all want to still bless them? How many of you still want to minister to It's not easy. It's not easy to minister. It's not easy to help. And some of us, it's in our own families. Amen, somebody. Come on, be honest with me in here. It's hard, but Jesus, in spite of knowing their hearts, he says, I'm still going to put out power to heal. I'm still going to put out free salvation. He doesn't despise Pharisees. Jesus even loves those that try to kill him. And so the Bible says, if you go back to Mark, Mark says, the elder run, he starts preaching the word of God to them. And he's pre- oh, now, I told, now y'all forgive me. I told you about when Jesus preaches, stuff starts happening. And the word of God is going forth with power. When he preaches, divinity flashes through humanity. Every word that comes out of his mouth, Pastor Giles, is cutting. It's getting to the heart. He's not missing any, any points. He's not missing any valuable moments. The preaching of Jesus is connecting. He's ministering. It's truth. And the whole while he's preaching. They sitting there going, Uh, you paying attention to him? No. I'm just waiting for him to do something. So I'm, taking, I'm taking notes on this thing. 
Got my little iPad here. I'm going to take a picture of that boy. As soon as I see him breaking one of these laws. And when he breaks one of these laws, we're going to carry this back to Jerusalem. And we're going to take him out. Are you with me? I'm with you. Now, all the while, Jesus is preaching. Do you know that it's possible to have a conversation with the devil in the presence of the Lord? How do you do that? Oh, I guess we have to admit we've done that before. And so they're strategizing while he's preaching, uh, uh, Brother Long. To, how can we take him out? God help us. And then, stuff always happens when Jesus is preaching. And then, <laughs> there's a commotion outside. He keeps preaching. The Bible says, four dudes. Decide they're going to carry their helpless, hopeless friend to the presence of Jesus. Now, my Bible students out there, y'all know this ain't never happened before in the Bible. The Bible says that four men have hoisted up a sick man whom the Bible says is a paralytic, which is to suggest that he is paralyzed. If you study carefully, you will come to understand that his condition, oh, help me, Lord, is as a result of his sin. One thing you recognize about the Bible, every physical reality, the, the living in physical realities, whatever your physical reality is, what you can see, what you can feel, what you can taste, what you can hear, is a direct result of your relationship with God. In other words, if you study the Bible carefully, you will come to discover that, 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 that spiritual things are manifested in what we can see. And so his, his ailment was not just he's sick. He got that way because of his sin. You ever felt hopeless before? You ever felt guilt before? Is there anybody in here who's honest enough to admit that you've done something that displeased the Lord? And I've been, there, there are times I've done stuff wrong and the guilt made me sick. Uh, there's a book I'm reading right now, Healing for Deadly Emotions, and it talks about the actual, uh, uh, the actual physical, uh, 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 the physical manifestation of sickness is often a direct result of spiritual brokenness. There's some of us who have headaches, and the headache is not simply because you got, you got problems not getting rest at night. The reason why you can't get rest at night is because you got a guilty conscience, because you got up with your brother and your sister. And it's hard for you to sleep when you don't got no peace. And it's hard for you to be healthy when you got all kind of junk and stress going on in your life. Hear me now. Every physical reality is a result of a spiritual reality. They carry this man. And I can hear him. Man, I, I heard Jesus is here, man. Listen, you will not believe this. I understand this dude is straight. He's healing lepers. Dude is like, lepers. Man, the other day, he cast out a man that had 5,000 demons in him. Desire of Ages says that it's welling up within him. He had never felt before that he had hope. Oh, my brothers and sisters. Have you ever been there? Where you had committed this sin so many times. You, you knew the Bible. You know what the Bible says about confessing your sins to, and God will forgive them. But let's be real. Have you ever been there where you did something so many times over and over again until you got to the point where you convinced yourself that I cannot face God again? I cannot face him after I've done this thing again. I can't not do it. And the enemy begins to come in and strengthen discouragement. He loves to discourage. He loves negative thinking. He loves to get you hopeless. He loves keeping you down. He loves keeping you in the gutter. He does not want you to know that Jesus loves you just as much as he loves the Father. He does not want you to know that there's never a time in your life that you will call on the name of the Lord and he will deny you. He does not want you to know that in spite of what you've done, no matter how nasty, disgusting, or putrefying, no matter how egregious this is, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. No matter what you've done, your God never stops being a loving God. He never stops being full of mercy. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that his mercy endures forever. He will not stop until you stop coming. He will not stop until you give up. And even when you give up, he's still standing there with arms stretched out wide. Your God is not the God that wants to punish you every time you do something wrong. Is there anybody in here who's done something wrong and know that you didn't get the just due of what your crime was? But in spite of what you've done, your God looked down at you and said, I know he's guilty. I know he's sinned. I know he's made a mess of his life. But my blood, my blood, my blood, my blood, and my grace is sufficient. So go ahead, devil. Talk your talk. Run your mouth. Remind me of my sins. Tell me how messed up I am. But guess what? You're out of business. Because Jesus Christ, my father, my brother, my savior, has already declared me righteous. Even though I'm not yet what I want to be. Thank God I'm not what I used to be. You are a liar and the truth is not in you. And so dude is just like, I mean, he ain't moving, but he got that little head going. Can't move his arms. Get me to Jesus. And then listen, man, we got to talk about friendship now. These guys know that there are thousands following Jesus. The, the likelihood of him getting close to Jesus in his circumstance is very low. Amen? He can't walk. And so he's, how, how are we going to do this? This is what real friends do. Hallelujah. The first thing you have to understand about real friendship is Real friends care more about your soul salvation than anything else. Huh, that, that's just, so the request for them to pick him up and carry him, don't know how far they got to go, is not too much to ask for them. Because they care, Mary, more about the soul of their friend than they care about their own personal convenience. Have you ever had a no-count friend who when you were going through it, who when you were, in the, if you, were, you were in the midst of the devil's lion's den and you were surrounded by demonic forces and, and you had very little hope and you didn't have strength to pray and you called on somebody or you expected. Can I talk about this thing? You expected somebody to look past your position and look past your marriage and look past your profession and say, I got your back. Whatever you call me, I'm here. I'm going to stick with you. And I'm going to even tell you the truth about yourself, even if it hurts you, because I care more about your soul than I care about your success. Good friends are hard to find. They said, let's do it. Those dudes said, well, let's go. Now, can you imagine folks in the street like, these fools? <laughs> and the folk get to laughing. Boy, what is wrong with you? Man, you ain't going to get to Jesus. Dude, you can't even walk. You think those guys are going to get you them? And I imagine this ain't in the text, but just let me give me a little pastoral license here. I believe that somebody who had tried to go themselves and got disappointed that they didn't get in passed him by and said, hey, don't worry about it. Have you ever met people that are always trying to impose their religious experience on your experience? Uh, they're, they're the kind of people uh, that say to you, well, when I came into the church. Oh, I can't get no help in here now. Oh, I'm going to preach it right now. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, you better believe it. it's coming. Oh, when I came into the church and I got pregnant, they put us out. You got to come the same way I came. 
when I came in the church. I had to study with Sister So-and-so for 25 weeks. When I came in. I had to come in. I couldn't be smoking. And I couldn't be drinking. And when I came in, I can't get nobody to talk to me in here. I had to take off that stuff. And I had to start. Hey, listen, brothers and sisters. You have got, hear me now. This is not an anti-standard sermon. But you have got to let God heal people in the way that he wants to do it. He will not work. He will not work. He will not work the same way for everybody. Some of y'all got saved in the club. Some of you got saved with a pipe in your mouth. Come on in here. Some of you got saved in a wrong relationship. Some of you found God when you were on your last dime and you had no money. You couldn't tithe because you had no income. But the Lord saw you where you are. And he said, I'll dust you off. I'll clean you up. All you have to do is say yes to your will and yes to your way. And God, I just want more of you. Why don't we get that? And we sing the song. He can do whatever he wants to and how he wants to because he's sovereign. Well, well, shut up then. If he can do what he wants, when he wants, shut your stinking mouth and let people grow at the pace that God wants them to grow. Was he patient with you? Did he hang? Oh, come on in here. Let me preach to this side right here. Will he hang in there with you? Will he stick with you? Have you ever had to call out to God for stuff you regretted doing? So watch this. Watch this. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Watch this. They were there to be critical. Their focus was on what was going wrong. Put that statement on the, slide, on the screen. You got to see this from your favorite person. Because we don't believe the word of God. We got to hear from Sister White first before we can make the adjustment. We got to let people grow at their own pace. Amen. <laughs> I'll say it again. You got to let people grow at their own pace. And understand, brothers and sisters, understand, understand a word of caution that the Pharisees are not dead. Uh, go, go back. Can you go back to the first page? Uh, yes. Right. Next. Satan has often brought in a spirit that has made it impossible for members to discern opportunities for service. Next. Believers have not frequently allowed the enemy to work through them at the very time they should have been wholly consecrated to God and to the advancement of his work. Unconsciously, somebody say unconsciously. They have wandered far from the way of righteousness, cherishing a spirit of criticism and fault finding, a pharisaical piety and pride. They have grieved away the spirit of God and have, watch this now, and have greatly retarded the work of God's messengers. Can I break that down? When you are critical and when you look, and, and listen, you talk about critical of all critical. I ain't preaching to them. I'm preaching to me. As long as you live a little while, you will be critical. And it's not just a few folk who's critical. We all got a mouth. Come on in here, somebody. I was reading James. Uh, just uh, James is a good book. I'm going to have to just preach a whole series on that. The book of James says, if we can control the tongue. Anybody said anything that you shouldn't have said lately about somebody else? I know I have. Amen, lights. Amen, balcony. I know I've got somebody up there that knows that they've been critical at least one day in their life. But the problem with a critical spirit is the critical spirit 
grieves the Holy Spirit. And, and notice what she says. It retards the work. What does that mean? It, it presents obstacles, yes. And it impedes progress. Now let's look at the text. The text says that these men brought this guy to Jesus. Now look, man, the, the, you got to give them credit. First of all, they didn't, they didn't have to deal with all the haters. Tell them to turn around and go back. They had to deal with the, the complexity of the situation. They probably were tired. Come on, say amen. amen. I mean, those brothers had lives. They probably had wives. They probably had things to do. Their cell phone was going off every five minutes. Come here, do that. Come on, somebody. They, they text messages are blowing up. And they got every reason in the world to say, look, man, we've come. Look, man, it ain't going to happen for you today. But can we talk about real friends? Can we talk about real friends? Real friends are not just close to you, but they're close to Jesus. And they have the heart of God, and the heart of God is for your deliverance. So watch this. When they get there, understand. Oh, here, see this today, brothers and sisters. I'm almost done. I promise. See this thing today. Oh, receive this word. When they get there, there was people all over the place. I could see him walking up to one guy. Hey, man, hey man when is this service going to be over? I don't know, man. He's he been preaching forever. As far as I know from Jesus, man, he preaches a long time. Man, that Beatitude sermon he preached, man, that thing, that thing created about four or five chapters. How do they know that? Oh, never mind. Let me go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he's he long-winded. All right. So they go to the other side. Desire of Ages says this. Hey, man, look. You see my buddy here? He's trying to get to Jesus. Y'all think y'all could just help us get him in there? You see his situation is really bad. He could die at any moment now. He's lost his family and everything. You think, hey, look, man, I'm trying to get my word. I need to get my, I'm trying to get my blessing. So, I mean, you just have to wait on him. Wait in line. Stand your turn. Goes to the other side. Look, man, there's a window right here. I think we can, if, we, if you will help us, we can push. We ain't all trying to get in. We're just trying to get him in. Ooh. We'll be blessed if he gets blessed. Oh, uh, what do you mean by that? Understand, the only reason why we come to church is so we can get people to Jesus. We're not coming here for selfish reasons. No, you got the wrong guys. We're here for one reason, and that's to get our friend to Jesus. Sorry, can't help you. So after about a hundred times of trying to get in and getting rejected, thank God there is a difference between determination and desperation. See, determination will keep you in the church for 40 years, but have a nasty mouth for 40 years. Determination will have your name on the roll. You'll be a faithful tithe payer, but you still have a bad attitude. Determination will make you very faithful to the things of the church, but you have poor relationships in your family. You have poor relationships with other members. You have poor relationships at your job, and you don't even realize you're, you're so busy trying to get to heaven that you're stepping over people to get there. But when you finally get to where you think you're going, you're going to be surprised to find out you were never on your way to heaven in the first place. Determination is the person that makes it through life, that is successful, that becomes everything they want to be. But when they get there, they forgot who got them there in the first place. Anybody can be determined. Somebody shout determined. See, determined is just simply the willpower to say that I'm not going to stop until I get what I want. But desperation is much different. See, des de determination says, I I'm only going to do this to get that result, though. If I'm going to get there, I'm only going to go this way, I'm only going to go that way, but I'm going to get there. I don't have a lot of options, I'm only going to go this path. But desperation says, however, I'm going to get there. If I got to catch the RTA, I'm going to be there. If it's raining outside, I'm going to be at power night. Oh, no, come on, y'all can't pray. Um, um, uh, well, how, however, whatever it takes, I'll get there early in the morning. I got to walk or I got to crawl. If I got to have four people carry me in, I am so desperate to get to Jesus. Because see, desperation is not about success. Desperation is about being saved. And when you want to be saved and you acknowledge how wretched and miserable and broken you are, you don't let folks stop you. You don't let folks discourage you. You don't let their talk hold you down. You don't let them get in your, under your skin because you realize that you ain't there for them anyway and they don't have a heaven or hell to give you. This thing is about Jesus. This thing is about being saved. 
and desperate people do whatever they gotta do. If they gotta fight their way through, if they gotta pray their way through, if they gotta praise their way through, if they gotta study their way through, they will get through. I gotta get through. I have to get through. If I don't get through, I'm gonna die. A desperate person says, I can't go back. I can't go to the left. I can't leave empty-handed. I'm gonna leave here with my blessing. I know God has it with my name written on it. And I will not let you stop me from getting where God wants me. Have I got anybody in here that's hungry for God, that's desperate for him, that's willing to do whatever it takes Why am I preaching so hard? The determined fellow would have said, oh, I'm just going to have to get it another way. Come on, y'all. They ain't going to see me getting all, all humiliated like that. It don't take all that. Here I am lying on this mat. Don't got no shoes on. I'm scrawny. Lost weight. I'm dying. Huh? I don't got to stay for this. I don't, look, that, those folks been talking about me too. Can I talk to the people who give up so easily because they're being attacked by people? Can I remind you of something? Uh, uh, the conditions for spiritual success are that you have to walk in the same road Jesus walked. Last time I checked, Jesus' whole life was spent with haters. Oh, so, his, when, tell me one day in his ministry where nobody talked about him anymore. Tell me one day in his ministry where nobody was judging him. Tell me one day in his ministry where people said, we ain't going to try to kill him anymore. Let's give him some peace so he can do what he got to do. If I know my Bible correctly, if you are going to walk the road of Christ, you are going to have tough times. You are going to have tough people. You are going to have folk lie on you. You are going to have folk betray you. You ready, man? You ready to be set free? You ready for this thing? You've been waiting a long time. You've been going through every angle. Nobody let you in. Nobody gave you a break. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How many know you're here today? Not because people were nice. <laughs> Can we talk? Is there anybody still here? Thank God that you didn't leave on account of people's foolishness. Because if we left on account of people's fools, then we'd all be gone. Including myself. I'd have packed up my Bible, packed up my family, packed up my little car, packed up my little house, and got my little behind up out of here. But thank God Jesus gives us an example. He was focused. He was determined. He would not let folks stop him. He knew that he had to get what God had for him. Well, what are we going to do? We done tried everything. Think we ought to go home? No. No. Can't go back. Can't take this man back to his family looking like this. We told them that he was coming back healed. we gonna do come over here we'll be right back man <clears throat> now look I did a little carpentry back in the day man I ain't, ain't claiming to be ain't really claiming you know to be an expert in this thing but uh see them stairs on the side of this house <laughs> you thinking what I'm thinking we can get it we can get it. We can get it. Look, man. <laughs> For real. Are you serious, man? You know whose house that is? It's Peter's house. That dude crazy, man. Maybe, man. Maybe, man. Look, you know, it's up to you. But I'm committed to seeing him get healed. But we're here for, ain't we? 
Let's put it in. Let's put it in. Let's put it in. Everybody put it in. One, two, three. Let's do this. We can do this. Look, man. Since we don't really got a real house to go up the stairs, we're going to go down the stairs. But they're going to still get the point. Hell, Hall, come on over here. Look, man. We're going to work this thing out. We're going to take you in the house. Bible says they climb up the stairs with the dude. Now, come on. Don't, don't look at it perfectly. I don't think they perfectly, well, before we move him, I don't think they perfectly were like, you know, it just happened pretty. Come on, dude probably fell off one time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> oh! He's up, man! Come on! Ah, right, man, we got you, we got you, man. Now, at this point now, people are, they so in the church, they can't see what's going on. Uh, let's try one more time. So watch this now. They, they actually get the brother up the house, right? There's a roof here. Man, I told you I got a little skill in this. Y'all know these roofs have little tiles. And they put mud on top with grass. And look, it ain't going to be the end of the world. I'll fix it. I'll get me and my boys. We'll come fix it later. But we got to do this thing. So, man, they start breaking up stuff. And by this time, hold on, fellas. Jesus is preaching. And come on, brothers. Dirt start falling down. And you know the Pharisees. You know, they just trying to, you know, they... Oh my goodness. What is this? In the house of the Lord? I have never seen anything like this before. This is irreverent. On the count of three, we're going to get him down there. There's a big hole in there. Jesus is standing there like. <laughs> the Pharisees are sitting there like. And the people on the outside are like. How did he get in here? One. Two. Three. You got him? I got, don't drop him now. Watch this now. What's different? Sit down right here, fellas. What's different between what he was two minutes ago and where he is now? The Bible says he's now in the presence of Jesus. Sometimes to get in his presence, you got to break some stuff up. I told you my sermon is entitled Breaking and Entering. Yeah. Sometimes in order to enter into his presence, yeah. you gotta tear some stuff up. You gotta move some stuff out of the way. You gotta upend some stuff because in order to get a breakthrough, you gotta break some stuff. And Jesus, he's so psyched about this. The only reason why he preached for a long time was to get a guy time to get there. Everybody now the Pharisees at this point are like, he about to heal this dude. We got him. Where's your phone, man? Get the camera out. And so watch how Jesus throws him for a loop. He says, Your sins. Are forgiven. Tears. That's the only reason why he did all what he did. 
It's the only reason why he got involved in this thing in the first place. That's the only reason why he hired a four-man wrecking crew. He just wanted to hear. Desire of Ages says that that would have been enough. That's right. Beverly, do you feel me on that? Look, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I want a financial blessing. I want God to, I want God to get rid of all my student loans. I want, I want God to give me the house. I want God to give me the car. I want God to give me the jar, job. But, 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 but I can't live. If I don't hear the words, your sins, your sins, your sins are forgiven. Watch this. Do you read anywhere in the Bible where it says he asked for forgiveness? How did he get forgiven? Because God does not extend forgiveness to us just based on confession. We receive forgiveness because we confess. But forgiveness is already there. Now the Pharisees now, I'm sorry, I'm having too much fun. I'll be out of town next week. I got to get in out of town next week's message right now too. So, uh, so um, you're forgiven. Tears, tears flooding his face. Four friends are looking down through the roof and they're like, yeah. they, 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 they all messed up. Grown men crying now. And then watch this. The Pharisees are thinking. They don't even say anything. The Bible says they're thinking in themselves. Who in the, is he to give, that say he can forgive folk? And Jesus said, oh, what you just thought? The son of man has all authority. To forgive sin. Oh, but, but I know what you're also asking is, what is easier for me to say your sins are forgiven yeah. or to tell him to take up his mat and walk? We don't know the answer to that question. It's easier to heal somebody of a physical disease than it is of a spiritual one. Yeah. But, he, but he said, but this is just the Edmonds version of the Bible. But just to show you who I am and how bad I am. You've been waiting all your life for this. I can see Jesus' eyes locking his eyes. And I don't think Jesus was an unemotional preacher. I see tears in his eyes because he feels what we feel. He can see that when this man goes back home, his family is going to rejoice. He realizes that the deliverance of this one man means deliverance for generations to come. He realized that when this man gets healed, his son will be a preacher. When this man gets healed, the grandson will serve the Lord. He knows that there's a generational shift. You ready? You're forgiven. So you don't think I spooked it. Let me stand over here. Take up your mat. Now hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) Now the thing that had control over you, I want you now to demonstrate control over it. Take that thing and go home. Go home. Praise him. Thank him. Glorify him. I got to tell you one more thing. Can I tell you one more thing? One more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Do you remember that when he tried to get in, he could not get in because of the crowd? The Bible says (laughs) that they would not let him in. You ever had people like that? Now here's the problem when you are, when you are hindering people from getting to Jesus. Can I tell you what the problem is? Let me explain what that means. Some of us, there, there are people who have given their lives to Christ and we'll say, we baptize all those people. Where are they? And so I ask you, you saw them get baptized. 
Did you go to their house? Did you make friends? Did you make friends with them? Did you ask them their name? Did you offer to babysit their children? Did you offer to give them a little money? Did you offer to pray with them? Did you offer to pick? Don't you stand. Don't you insult the Holy Spirit and suggest that the reason why they left is because not enough was done from this level to get them here. Sheep make sheep. We take care of souls. And if anybody left, it's your fault and it's my fault. It's all of our fault. We're so selfish, though. Always thinking about me, 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 me. And people are walking out from us, and we don't even recognize it. The same folk that wouldn't let him in were blessed because he got in. Watch this. They would not have seen the power of God unless that man got in. No, no, hear me now. Nothing was going to happen that day unless that man got there. Because their hearts were so hardened that there, there was no, no belief to, the, to, 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 actual, to actualize the power of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, that man came not just for himself, but what God did for him was a blessing to all of them. Could it be that because we are created such an obstruction for people to get to Jesus because of our traditions, that we are actually the ones that's missing out on the blessing? How many souls have you brought to the Lord? How many have you kept? How many are you in touch with? How many do you love right now? How many are you calling? How many are you praying for? How many are you visiting with? Well, the Bible workers are, ah, shut your mouth. It don't got nothing to do with Bible workers. Shut your mouth. It don't got nothing to do with them or the elders or this person or that person. Understand, brothers and sisters, that if if God placed people in our midst so that we could be a blessing to them. I ain't here for no uh, popularity contest. This is the word of the Lord concerning Glenville. We're doing more to impede than we're doing to open the doors of the church. That's a fact. How else do people leave if we let them go? Isn't it amazing that as he walked out from them, nobody said, hey man, would you like to come over our house for dinner? Begin to play. This is the word of the Lord. We must all repent today. And I am, I, am, I am confessing today that in my life there are times where I have been more of a hindrance to progress than I have to seeing that somebody gets saved. That's what we're here for. Now let me flip it for the appeal. If you're really honest with yourself, you're really not so much the people in the crowd. You're that man getting let down. Anybody ever been paralyzed by sin? Broken by something? The doors of the church are open. The doors of the church are open. Father, right now, I have done what you told me to do. I have obeyed your word. Have preached not what I wanted to preach, but I have declared that which you have told me to. 
Father, it was painful because you were talking to me. You were talking to us. But those you love, you rebuke and chasten. God, create an atmosphere right now where the power of God is present to heal. In your name, amen.